0: Is, what a goal that is for our life. It's good to have Daniel with us this summer. We're two weeks in. to a, uh, I think we got about eight more Sundays with him. So we're looking forward to continuing to work him hard. He was, he's knocking on several hundred doors a week and uh, preached to the junior church this morning. He helped Brother Nathan dig quite a bit uh, this week out back on some sprinkler things that, we're, that they're working on. And, and it's good to have Daniel with us and, and uh, just thankful for that message and song. Lift, praise to God for the world to know. And uh, we just need to, do, to be a light, uh, please God with the way we're living, and, and uh, trust him to bring others to him as we shine brightly in this dark world. Let's all stand together. Romans chapter 2 tonight. Romans chapter 2. The last several messages in Romans, we've been reminded of the wrath of God towards sin. And what man's sin will continue to do to him as he's given over to it and we continue the thought of the judgment of God tonight a little bit of a pivot uh, that God's judgment is not just for those that have been given over to those wicked sins those list of things we have it's for any who live in sin it's for any who have not turned to him we're going to be looking at some truths it's going to continue to develop this over the next several weeks as we go through Romans but tonight we're looking at the impartial judgment from a just God impartial judgment from a just God and we'll begin reading here in chapter 2 of Romans in verse 1 it says therefore thou art inexcusable O man whosoever thou art that judgest for wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest doest the same things but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things and thinkest thou this O man that judgest them which do such things and doest the same That thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Impartial judgment from a just God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your truths that we find in the Bible. And God, I'm thankful for this letter that was written to the church in Rome that you inspire, and God, I pray tonight as we're continuing here in chapter 2, God, that you'd open our hearts and minds to grow in our knowledge of you and your dealings with all of mankind, but I pray that it would motivate us, God, to live righteously for you, and God, that we would also just continue to preach your gospel, God, it's not any man's works that will get him anywhere with you, but God, it's what you did for him, and what you did for the world, God, that will only bring salvation. I pray that we'd be encouraged by this message and helped by it, and Lord, just inspired to go out and tell others who you are and what you've done. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. I saw a story this week about Theodore Roosevelt during one of his presidential campaigns, and this delegation came to him uh, in his home in Oyster Bay in Long Island. And President Roosevelt, he went there with his coat off and his sleeves rolled up. And he said, gentlemen, come on down to the barn and we'll talk while I do some work. And he showed up there in the barn. He had his pitchfork in hand and he's ready to work. And as he went there looking for hay, there was no hay to be found on the floor. And he he looked at his farmhand and he said, John, where's all the hay? And John looked at him. He was embarrassed. He said, sorry, sir, I, I hadn't had time to toss it back down after you pitched it up when the Iowa folks were here. Theodore Roosevelt was putting on a show for the delegates that would come to visit him. You know, many times everybody sees hypocrisy in situations and in other people, and many times everybody sees it except for the one who is living the hypocrisy. You know, sometimes we easily see the sins of others, or often we easily see the sins of others, but we at the same time don't notice our own sins. You know, thankful for what we looked there in the sermon of the Beatitudes a few weeks ago, and the reminder there to not judge, but to to first of all watch for ourselves, and then to live with love to those that are in the world. But as we look at this, there's another reminder to avoid not just judging others, but to avoid the hypocrisy that is involved in judging others. You know, last week we mentioned David and his, and his life and the great mistake that David made, the man after God's own heart that committed adultery and then committed murder and, and tried to cover all these things up. And the prophet Nathan came to him and he told him this parable about a man who had one sheep and a man who had many and how that man with one sheep was robbed of that sheep. And David, as he heard this story, he said the person that that took that needs to repay him and and, and to be punished for what he did. And Nathan pointed at David and what did he say? Thou art the man. David did not see his own faults, but he did see the faults of others. Often if we hear someone, hear of someone that's done the exact same thing that we did, we are quick to see their act of sin because we weren't the ones that did it. As we look here in Romans, we've, we've quickly come to grips with the reminder that God is the holy, righteous, perfect judge. God sees all, God knows all, he sees the sins of all and he judges the sin of all. As we continue on here in chapter 2, we're going to continue to better understand about the coming judgment of God against sin and what his judgment is about, who's going to be affected by it, what the results of his judgment will be. But what we know already is that God is just. And we're looking here tonight at this thought that his judgments are impartial. He's no respecter of persons. As we begin this text there in verse 1 through 5, we see the judgment of the hypocrite. Hypocrisy will be judged and just as surely as God's wrath will be revealed against all those people that are guilty of what we find at the end of chapter 1. We spent time there and we looked at these people who God gave over to their vile affections. He gave, he gave them up and we see it all across our world today, especially in this month of June in the world that we live in. But just as we can be sure that those people will be judged, we can also be sure that God will judge the hypocrites. We know what a hypocrite is. It's someone who plays a part. It could be someone that may have read the end of chapter 1 and condemned the list of sins that we find there, but who are living in sin themselves. Maybe not the same sins, but who are still living in sin. There's people all, all over this world tonight that are sitting in churches, Sitting sitting in pews that are judging others without judging themselves, there's people behind pulpits tonight all across our world that are doing the same thing, but inwardly they're guilty of many of the same sins they condemn other people for. About five years ago, Hallie and I were were at Long Beach, California, and several times in the past we had been there and we'd seen the ship, the Queen Mary, I don't know if anybody's ever been on the Queen Mary there in, in Long Beach, but... It's no longer there. It's, it's been moved. But it was the largest ship to, to cross the oceans when it was launched in 1936. And it was so fast that they used it during World War II to help get soldiers back and forth from the U.S. to wherever it was in Europe they needed to go. And no other ship could catch it. But after decades of the ship being used for cruises and being used for the military, it was finally anchored there in Long Beach as a floating hotel in a museum there in California. And as they converted this old cruise ship to a hotel and a restaurant and all these gift shops, everything that was there in in that ship, there were three massive smokestacks that sat on top of the ship, and they were going to be scraped off, and they would repaint them to just preserve the life of that boat. And as they realized, as they scraped, they crumbled. Nothing was left of the three-quarter-inch steel plate that the stacks were formed from. It was only paint. All that remained were 30 different coats of paint that had been applied over the years. Everything inside had rusted away. There's many people that we could look at who on the outside may seem strong, on the outside may look all right, who may seem religious, who may seem close to God, but on the inside they are corrupt and not strong in the Lord. You know, Jesus spoke of people like this. As he spoke of the Pharisees, he said in Matthew 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within, you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Jesus called these Pharisees whited sepulchers, or basically, you are a bunch of whitewashed tombs. It may look okay on the outside, it may seem clean, it it may be pleasing to the eye to look at for one reason or another, but inside it's full of dead men, full of bones, no substance, no life. There's many people that that are described here in in Romans chapter 2 that pretend to be someone or something else that they are not, and God will not hold those people guiltless. Speaking of the religious... He's speaking of, of some Jews here in, in this part of Rome that had held to the law for most of their life. Now they're, they're saying they're Christians and living for God, but they're judging everything, whatever everybody else is doing according to the law and according to what they think was right, while having sin in their heart at the same time. You know, P- Paul described the sins of the world in chapter 1, and he's primarily speaking of the Gentiles there in Rome, those who weren't Jewish, and now he's focusing to maybe what we look at as these super-Christians there in Rome, people who were God's people already because they were Jewish and then they accepted the Messiah as he was and they said they were followers of him, people who had the law of God, they go all the way back to Abraham and and Moses and David and they probably felt as we're looking at them and just analyzing what went on in that day and age, they probably felt they had more of a religious pedigree that made them God's very, very special people. But as you look at these people, they were judging others while having sin in their heart. You know, it's, it's not our place to judge. One of the reasons that God judges the hypocrite is because the hypocrite assumes the place of God in judging the conduct of other people. And I want to remind you tonight, that's not your place, that's not my place, to pass judgment on another person. We do need to stand for what's right. We do need to protect our families from people that may pull them astray. We do need to stand against sin. But when we judge others, we are guilty before God doing something that he is the only one that should be doing. We need to examine our own heart. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, Paul wrote, he said, take heed unto thyself. He said, Timothy, before you go to preach to other people, make sure you are right with God. Make sure you are in good standing with him. Make sure you are living according to his word and as he's commanded you to live. And these people that Paul was writing about there to the church of Rome, he was speaking about ones that knew all the books of the Bible, ones that grew up in Sunday school, ones that may serve in the church nursery. They went to vacation Bible school. They tithe. They go to Sunday school classes. and, and, And he tells them, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. Paul says at the end of this verse, and in verse 1, he says, For thou that judgest doest the same things. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 15. They were quick to judge the less religious people, but while they were judging other people, they were sinning as well. and They may not do the same things outwardly, but the heart wasn't what it needed to be. And we look in Matthew chapter 15 verse 16. It says, And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do, you not, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are are the things which defile a man. Jesus is making it clear here in his preaching that to have sin in your heart was as bad as doing that sin. He says there in verse 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, just anger in his heart, bitterness stored up, shall be in danger of the judgment. But it's saying to you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust, just the thought of it, just the desire of it, tending to those temptations in your mind, after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. There's many people that may not be doing things on the outside, but on the inside. There's many sins that have been entertained, and we need to beware that we don't have that hypocritical spirit. And we look and continue on here in verse 2 and, and it says, "But we are back in Romans in our text here, he says, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? He points out God is judging the sins no matter who commits the sins. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or non-Jewish. If you're from Rome or if you're from Jerusalem, if you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and there's judgment for the sin. And just as the wicked people, the ones that are uh, flaunting their sins, will be judged by God, so will the hypocrite that continues to sin in their heart. The judgment they face will be the same. No, but we continue on here. Never forget that while God looks on the outs- while man looks on the outside, excuse me, God looks on the heart. You know, when it comes to the individual, it isn't the state of an individual's life that's the issue. It is the state of the heart. What's going on on the inside, where their mind is at, where their heart is at in terms of the Bible and living for God. You can be squeaky clean on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. You can have 30 coats of paint on the outside, but the inside could be that rusty smokestack that isn't holding up. There's many who sit in the pews of of churches all over the world that look down their noses at others because of the way they live, that will one day face the wrath of God because in their hearts they are just as wicked as the people they condemn. You know, this, this, this thought brought to mind the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. We have two different brothers. One stayed with dad and one went off and did riotous living. And we see all these things that happened, all these things he he did. And he got to a point where at his lowest state in life where he wanted to just be a servant for his father again. He shows up back home. His father ran to him and gave him a new coat and had a feast. And what was going on with the brother? He was bitter about it. He, he judged his brother for what was going on, and he didn't think he deserved any of that forgiveness, any of that love. And there's many Christians that see other people that, that come into a church or that may get saved. There's many people that may not be saved, but they're religious, and they see, they, 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 they judge the works of other people. When in the eyes of God, they are just as guilty as the other. And it brings about shame, and there in verse 4, Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. There's shame. The sinful nature there is crystal clear. We look there in verse 4. The hypocrite delights in the blessings of God. They have the riches and and goodness of God. uh, There's many hypocrites enjoying a good life. And and we read there in verse 4 that God is withholding his judgment. He's forbearing. He's patient with them from the hypocrite, hoping that his goodness will lead them to repentance and a desire to please him. But instead, the goodness of God is the hypocrite sees it and thinks everything's good. We run across many people in this world that we live in and that just just like the Church of Laodicea have need of nothing. They think everything's great. They say they believe in God, they love God, they're doing pretty good, and because they're blessed, because they have a good job, because they have good home and good possessions, they don't think they need anything. But the truth is God is giving them opportunities to repent. The hypocrite feels they aren't guilty. God must be pleased. Nothing could be farther from the truth than what they've done. They've taken God's blessings for granted. Because they misunderstand the good times they may be having or the good life they have or the good blessings they have from God, they refuse to repent. But it is God's goodness that should lead us to a life of service. It is God's goodness that should lead us to repentance and a desire to please Him in the way we live. We look in 1 John chapter 4, it says, we love him. Why? Because he, what? First loved us. But many people, and the, the hypocrite as you read about here they, they see the goodness of God as a stamp of approval for their conduct and they take for granted the blessings of God to eventually they are punished for that hypocrisy. And that hypocrite instead of gaining favor with God is actually storing up wrath and judgment against himself. You know, Just as surely as a the most wicked sinner we could find will face their sins in the judgment of God. So will the religious person that thinks everything is great and is a secret sinner. All sin will be revealed at the judgment. So we, we understand that the hypocrite will be judged. And the second thing, as we continue on here in verse 6 through 10 through 11, excuse me, God is the fair judge. As we begin to look here in Romans, Paul is doing a great job at distinguishing things between the Jew and the Gentile and then starting to help them realize we're, we're, in, a, we're in a new time here and the, the, the Jew and the Gentile, the lines that separate them are beginning to be erased. Every individual that is walking the face of this earth and that ever will walk the, walk the face of this earth is guilty before God because of sin. And every individual needs to come to a point where they are saved by faith in God through Jesus. We look, we look here at these verses and we understand that it says, there who will render to every man according to his deeds. All, all men, all people will be repaid based on where they stand with God. Did they reject God's ways or did they embrace God's ways? And every every person that's ever going to walk the face of this earth must stand before God and give an account of how they handled God's gift of the of His Word, the revelation of Himself, and all ways that He did to humanity. And as we look at these this group of verses here, we, we need to be careful. And I want you to understand that as we read these things and we look at these this one small group of verses, that we don't come to a a thought that. Our standing with God is based solely on good works. That's not, that's not true. If you read only this passage, that's definitely what it might sound like and what some people may use to try to tell you these things. But we know as we read the whole book of Romans and we have everything here in context, in its proper setting, we will see that salvation is based on the grace of God and our faith in what Jesus did. Nothing we could do. It's not about us following the law. It's not about us living right for God. It's it's first of all about what Jesus did for us and putting our faith in that. God is the fair judge. It's available to all. But as we look here and we're studying these things, it's important for us to see his judgment is unique. According to this verse, God's judgment in the life of a person is an individual matter. Every person will be judged by their own merits. Every person will be judged based on what they did. You won't pay for the sins of another person. You cannot pay for the sins of another person. Another man will not be judged for your sins. God's judgment is fair and tailored to each individual life. God judges men based on what he knows in their hearts. And as we continue on here in verse 7, it says, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteous indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Those three verses I just read to you tell us that a person who lives right and seeks the Lord and seeks to please him will enjoy the blessings of God While a person who denies God and lives for self and what their flesh wants will receive proper judgment. Very clear those who deserve punishment will be punished, those who deserve blessings will be blessed. Those who are covered by the blood of Jesus will go to heaven, those who are unsaved will die and go to hell. It doesn't matter the race. Doesn't matter the lineage they come from. Doesn't matter the time they spent in a church. It's the condition, the state of the heart that matters. It's just, and we looked there in verse eleven. It says, "For there is no respect of persons with God. His judgment is unbiased." That means there's not one person that will walk the face of this earth that will receive special treatment from God. No, we, it, doesn't, it wouldn't take us very long to, to leave this place tonight and find someone that we think we are better than, would it? We, we, could, we could go off, we could find someone that we think we're better than, we have better conduct than them, better morals, less faults, less baggage in our life. But God isn't measuring us up against someone else. We're not graded on a curve in this life that we live. He he measures us up to his law. And every one of us will be judged by the same criteria of Jesus Christ and their personal relationship with him. That is what we will be judged on. There's no respect of persons with God. He doesn't single someone out for heaven and he doesn't single others out for hell. He gives all men the opportunity and he does it fairly. There's no respect of person. It's a fair judgment. But it's a sure judgment. As we continue on in verse 12, it says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. the, The fact that God is impartial It's demonstrated right here in this judgment. Those people who sin apart from the law will be judged apart from the law. And those people who sin under the law will be judged by the law. And only those who do the law will be declared righteous. But we understand nobody can, right? We understand that tonight. As we look here in verse 12, rebellion is judged. The basis for God's judgment is sin. And this verse tells us whether we have the law of God or we do not have the law of God, we are still guilty of our sin. Whether we've seen it, whether it's been revealed to us or not, we are going to be judged by the sins that we do. And all who are sinners owe the price that the sinner owes, okay? So if we knew the law and sin, you're going to be judged. If you didn't know the law and sin, you will still be judged. So God's judgment will be realized by all those who are caught in their sins when they leave this world. And as we look there in verse 13 through 15, as we see that some have it, some don't, someone might be tempted to ask, is this fair? What about the people who've never been exposed to the word of God? What about the people who've never been told, will they still be held accountable? And the answer is yes. These verses are making it very clear that every man has a conscience. And we look in Romans chapter 1 and we read just a few weeks ago that All men, no matter what they may say, whether they say they're an atheist or not, whatever religion they may have chosen for their life, all men and women are created with an awareness deep down that there is a creator God. There's a greater being. There is a morality expected of them. And, And we've been born with that awareness of God and we've been born with a conscience placed in us by creator God. And the conscious isn't just a guide or a suggestion to live by, but it's a guide that tells us the difference between right and wrong. Not a suggestion and we choose what is right for us, but it's either right or it's wrong. When a person allows their conscience to be just a guide by which they live, they are headed for trouble, but when they listen to it as it's pointing out right and wrong, that person can make right moral decisions. I'm getting my children at an early age not being, not going through the book of Romans with us and not being talked to about the law or the commandments. But they realize when they weren't supposed to get a cookie and they did, that wasn't right, right? Or they, they know it's not good to to whine or cry or to hit somebody else, to hurt somebody. They, as soon as they do those things, they may go hide in a corner or may go hide behind, in the closet with crumbs all over the face, whatever it may be, because they know what they chose to do was wrong. That is born within them. God gave them that. So Paul says here that some Gentiles had fulfilled what the law of God said even though they didn't have the law of God. God created them with a conscience where they could still live by the law even without knowing it. And because God's ways are written in creation, they sought to please God and lived the ways of God as best they could. That's what, that's what he means here in verse 15 when he says the work of the law written in their hearts. So every man that's ever going to walk the face of this earth will be judged by the law. No one can avoid it. Look at verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by what? Jesus Christ according to to the gospel there's a day coming when all men and women will be judged it's a day when the secrets of men will be proclaimed publicly jesus in luke chapter 12 verse 3 he said therefore whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light and that which you have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops There's a day when all men and women will face the reality of what their life was lived for and what their life was used for. But what will be the basis of this judgment? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Man's eternity, the destination of mankind, will rise or fall on what they did with the gospel of grace. There's many different religions in this world and many different people that are good people. And those re- religions, they follow a set of rules. They say, do this and this will happen. Follow these rules and God will reward you. But there's no, there's no religion that we, could, that we could look at in this world that gives a solution to people that do not follow the rules. Every person will die. Every person will fail to meet God's qualifications of perfection. Every single person will. The only hope anyone has is the saving grace of the gospel. And on that day of death, no matter how close an individual was to living right by the law every moment of their life, the accomplishments don't matter, the impact someone had in the community doesn't matter, or how other people perceive an individual, no matter how good or worthy they may say that person is, doesn't matter. All that will matter in that day comes down to what a person did with Jesus. Did they receive him or did they reject him? Did they fall before him in repentance or did they cling to their sins and refuse to bow before God? Every person's eternity depends on what they do with Jesus. In you know, 1 John chapter 5 it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know you have eternal life. It's not about what we've done, it's about what he's done for us. Putting our faith and trust in that. And everyone that's ever going to walk the face of this earth when they are measured up to the law will realize they did not accomplish it. The only one to ever accomplish it was Jesus Christ. And as we look at this, there is an eternal destination for those who have tried to live by the law and may have, may have done pretty good but still had sin in their heart and they will be judged for it. Look at Revelation chapter 20. We're almost done here. As we live in this world, we need to be thankful that we have Jesus. But we also need to understand there's a lot of good people in hell. It's not about what a person has done in this life. It's about if they've trusted and put their faith in what Jesus did. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of the law, because of what was born within us that we know of, the conscience, the morality, the the awareness of God that we have, there's no man that can attain it. And here's what's going to happen, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Every man judged by his works, every man condemned. And the only thing that kept them out of the lake of fire was whether or not their name was written down in the book. It's a horrible end to many good people that have refused to come to faith in Christ. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were reminded about those people who live lives of open wickedness before God. And as we are here in the month of June, there's been some hard things for us to look at, whether it's on the news or on social media or in the papers. We see those things that are listed listed there at the end of chapter 1 just flaunted in front of us. Just yesterday there was a ceremony at the White House and a transgender pride flag flown there. A country that once stood for God and once looked to God for help is now what our president said. He wants the world to see that we are a nation of pride. And And we look at those things and understanding what the Bible says. And still with love for people, we look at those things and it's hard to look at. It's not something that is funny. It's not something that we should laugh at. It's something that should hurt for us to see. And as we look at that, we have a burden for those people and we hate seeing those sins. And we're grieved by those things. But those people that have been given over to the reprobate mind, that have been given over to all of those sins, are condemned just as much as the religious person that lives across your street that doesn't know Jesus. And as burdened as we may be to look on the news or look on our phones on Facebook and to see what's happening in the White House or in government or what the the laws they may be trying to pass in California should burden us, yes, But we should be just as burdened for those that may be living according to the law, but living lives of hypocrisy because they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. No one can be religious enough that they will be okay before God. I understand it's more easily for us to accept a lost hypocrite than it is those that are living a life of sodomy. But at the heart of the matter, they are identical. They are rejectors of the one thing that can get them to heaven and headed to hell. You know, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi and he said, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is not of myself, he says, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That is where hope needs to be found. You know, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're found righteous. Not because of how you lived according to the law, but because you found righteousness in the sight of God through the blood of Jesus. The law is important because it's going to reveal to us we are never enough. And God sent Jesus to fulfill the law. Jesus is the judge who is judged for us. So live for him. Love him because he first loved you. Obey his commandments because you love him. Live for him, walk in his spirit, and tell others about the only way to obtain righteousness through Jesus. Everyone will be judged by the gospel. Every head bowed, every eye closed.